Hello, and you're listening to the Coffee and Books podcast. I am your host, Scott. Welcome, where we, of course, talk about everything under the sun from all different types of coffee and books. Still reading, of course, Stone of Tears by uh, Terry Goodkind. Wonderful fantasy book. Very long, over 900 pages, I believe. So that's going to take me a little bit to do. But in the meantime, I bring you another manga edition. Uh, this is actually another series that I've been reading recently, Aroni Kenshin. And Maroni Kenshin, this is actually volume six. So, of course, if you're new here, uh, some of my books that I review are part of a series. In this case, this is Maroni Kenshin, a very famous popular manga series about samurai in Japan. Um, it all started with volume one. We're now on volume six. So you might be lost if you try to start here at this episode. So we definitely recommend that here if you go back to the very beginning and listen to that. A couple other things. Uh, my email is scott, S-C-O-T-T, Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N, 16 at yahoo.com for all you listeners out there. Um, and feel free to, of course, share this podcast if you enjoy it. And feel free to email me if you enjoy it as well. All right, so let's begin. Let's get started, shall we? All right. So in Aroni Kenshin, I'm going to have a brief backstory I'm going to read to you. That's actually directly from the book. And that's going to get everything started. Himor Kenshin, the man who carries the Sakabato, the reverse edge sword, prohibits himself from killing other people. Once he was known as the Hitokiri, Hito the assassin Bachusai, a legend of incomparable awe among the pro-imperialists, um, Ishin Shishini patriots. They fought for a new era and during a civil war, but since then, Kenshin has been a Rurouni. While visiting a local dojo, Kenshin witnesses another fellow challenger, Isuguri, uh, to challenge a sensei to a duel. The sensei lost to a very overpowering strength. Upon accepting the challenge himself, Kenshin suspects Isuguri for being more powerful than a mere dojo challenger. Isuguri invites Kenshin in his journey to destroying the modern swordsmanship that is in Japan, as he wants to revive the traditional kenjutsu, the art of war. Kenshin refuses the offer. The following new morning, Isuguri's apprentice, Utaro, comes to the Kamaya Dojo to challenge Yahiko, the, another fellow student at that where Kenshin lives along with Senosuke. It turns out that Utaro has never been challenged to a sword fight before. Kamaya then gives him a lesson in the art of swordsmanship. When four men come to challenge Kenshin, and Kenshin wins, Utaro sees how actually good Kenshin really is. And that is up to speed so far. So in chapter 40, 10 days later, Yutaro is studying swordsmanship and battling Ahiko. After the spar, they all go for a meal. Kamaya offers Yutaro to join her school officially, and he declines. He says he still wants to learn under Isaguri. He tells the story of how he met Isaguri. Yutaro and his father were attacked by robbers. Yutaro's father is a former samurai who was sewing his swords across Europe to make a living. Um, they were attacked by robbers on the way back as rumors spread of their riches. Isaguri defeated those robbers, and Utaro feels disgraced by his father being too weak and begging for forgiveness. He wants to never feel like he is ever going to be defeated. Um, Isaguri surprise attacks Kenshin at this exact moment with a very dishonorable move in the dark, trying to get them while they're walking home. In chapter 41, Isaguri uses a special technique called the Secret Sword. It misses Kenshin and strikes Yutaro's arm. Uh, Isaguri wants to keep fighting. He does not care about his student or the fact that his student is injured and could possibly die. 
When the others question why, he explains that he actually faked this robbery on Utaro so he could have a rich patron, so that way he would be able to go around fighting off other uh, dojos and senseis so that he could crush them and make the schools uh, disband. Um, he always says he could get another uh, patron, and he doesn't care about Utaro at all in the least. Kenshin, Kenshin, though, does have a heart and says he'll be back to defeat him in one hour after he takes Utaro to the hospital, and he will fight him for real. Zenosuke says to Isaguri, now that you've angered the most terrifying man in the world, you better watch out. Megumi, the doctor from the previous earlier volumes, works to save Utaro's life. Uh, they're perplexed as to what had happened. They explain that he'll never hold a sword again, as that there was no blood, but the cut was done with a quick airstrike movement, and that it severed all the nerves endings in his arm, and he'll never be able to hold a sword again. Although swordsmanship means a lot to Utaro, Utaro feels betrayed by his former sensei. In chapter 42, Isaguri thinks Kenshin has run away and is a coward because he's taking too long to return to the fight. Kenshin does, however, return to the fight, and Isaguri uses his secret sword technique again. But Kenshin, who is smarter and now knows what that special technique is, can track the movements of a bullet and can now dodge his attacks with ease. Isaguri is able to cut Kenshin on the arm and draw blood. He's very excited by this. Kenshin suspects that Suguri has never killed anyone actually before. He says that he must pay an equal price for hurting Utaro. Kenshin is using the use of his arm, or Kenshin is trying to use the use of his arm and leg as they are cut. However, he cannot get close enough to Suguri without facing some type of cut or some kind of movement that would eventually hurt him. He then slings his sword out like a gun. The handle hits Suguri on the forehead as he uses a sword hilt like an arrow, uh, a very interesting technique, very cool. It hits Isaguri on the forehead. Isaguri recovers and threatens to kill Yehiko if the others move, and as he captures Yehiko in a quick jumping up and grabbing Yehiko who's closest to him. Kenshin says that he's always talking about killing, you know, and the scrolls and the art, but it's not just about ancient styles, it's about the weight of the lives you've taken that drag you down to hell. And if you can't even understand what the purpose of killing is and even defeating Yehiko is behind, beyond you. Great quote. Um, and then Kenshin, of course, has now broken Isaguri's spirit. He says he'll never wield a sword again, and he has made Isaguri, you know, realize the truth, which is that he is nothing. You know, he may have power, but without the knowledge to use that power, he is not ever able going to be able to be a real samurai. He's not ever going to be able to defeat the other samurai that exist, the true ones like Kenshin. All right. So, after that, uh, then we have, of course, Utaro waking up and remembering after the surgery that he was betrayed by his master in the middle of the night. In chapter 44, Utaro's father says to the others as they go to visit him that they're going to go to move to Germany and hope that he'll forget about swords. The, uh, they accompany them to the train station, and Yuhiko, tell, or Yuhiko yells at Utaro not to give up. He thinks that he's sulking because he thinks he'll never use the swords again. But Utaro says he only needs one hand to defeat Yuhiko after, um, after they start fighting. Um, Yuhiko and Utaro begin their small duel, but it is proven that he does still have potential, and that Utaro can never give up. 
Uh, Kamaya tells him that his spot will be waiting for him at the dojo when he comes back. Kenshin is no longer worried about the future of swordsmanship after watching two of these boys fight. He thinks that the others who he has fought so far, the other villains, all had sort of a devious purpose, uh, all from the previous wars and being previous samurai, but he's now looking at these new kids with the idea, the fresh hope that they can bring positivity to the future of swordsmanship in Japan. In chapter 45, we have a bonus Sanosuke backstory. Sanosuke was born the son of a farmer, and he ran away when he was nine to join the Sahiko army. He idolizes Sozo, the general who is in charge of this army. Sozo is falsely accused of leading a revolutionary army. After his execution, the army crumbled. Sanosuke then becomes a fight merchant in order to earn a living before he met Kenshin, fight merchant being a mercenary, someone to beat up other people. One day, while walking, he sees the artwork of some paintings on sale and recognizes his former hero. He asks who made the painting, and he gets directions to the painter's house after some threats. The artist is actually named Susuko Kaya... Uh, I'm going to butcher this name. Suki Oka, a former soldier in the army with Sanosuke. Sukiyoka thinks that it is fate that the two of them meet. He wants to restart the revolution that they were a part of ten years ago. In chapter 46, Sukiyoka plans on bombing the heart of the new government, uh, the Department of Internal Affairs. He asks Sanosuke to help him. He gives him a day to think about it. Sanosuke then decides that he should invite Sukiyoka for a party that everyone... Uh, for a party where he lives in order to have sort of a last hurrah and introduce him to his friends. After everyone passes out from drinking and eating, uh, they decide to start their plan. Kenshin now pretends to be passed out, but is actually listening. In chapter 47, a bomb goes off outside the department building. Kenshin then confronts the two criminals inside the gate. Tsukiya-oka throws bombs at Kenshin, but he cuts the wicks off of them before they explode. Sanosuke then surprises his friend by hitting him in the stomach until he passes out. Sanosuke then thanks Kenshin for helping him save his friend. Tsukioka wakes up in his house. He is angry that Kenshin had stopped him, but Sanosuke explains that Kenshin also hates the government because he is the one who helped create the current government. Attacks like this will not help. And Sanosuke then explains that stopping to, stooping to the government's level will not do anything, and that they should try and make the capital, uh, or sorry, blah, blah, blah. they should try and make the captain proud. Later on, Sanosuke runs into the stall, uh, selling the paintings. Sukiyoka had one more painting for sale. After that, he is going to start a newspaper and publish the government's wrongdoings. All right, so that one was some tongue twisters, man. I, I got to tell you, that, that one is. A little bit harder to pronounce than I think uh, normal names. Uh, anyway, so let's get into what the best scenes were. So definitely enjoyed the secret sword technique where um, the Isaguri uses this blade as a quick rapid movement that creates a whiff of air that can cut anything like a vacuum. Uh, I thought that was a really cool technique. But probably the best action scene in this particular storyline was when Kenshin used his sword hilt as like an arrow and was able to, you know, use the sword in a definitely unconventional way. Um, so again, what I like about the series, as is in, as in in particular the other episodes, we see 
the action that Kenshin uses. Kenshin is not just someone who, you know, can swipe his sword and quickly defeat people. He has knowledge of how to use his sword on another level. I think I've never seen in any samurai movie or any samurai um, sort of action. So, again, there are, you know, simplistic scenes, you know, where he'll cut someone. But most of the time, as we have seen through Kenshin's art of trying not to kill people, uh, he does a very good job. Um, you know, like, for instance, when he's cutting the wicks off of the bombs, um, those were very quickly drawn, or not quickly drawn, but quickly thought out movements that they did a good job of doing in the different panels in the manga. Um, I can imagine something like this in a TV show. I can definitely picture the battle happening. But again, the probably the coolest scene in this novel, at least action-wise, was when Isaguri... Uh, you know, hit, you know, got hit in the head with Kenshin's sword hilt. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the motives and feelings in this novel. Um, I'm starting to see a comparison between all the other soldiers and Kenshin we've kind of come across so far. Um, a lot of the time, the villains of the story are, I think, going, going to be redeemable people. Like, they're, for one reason or another, a samurai, uh, and they know what it means to be a samurai. And typically, they've been disgraced in some way, or they might have the same fears or concerns that Kenshin has, but they typically go about it in the wrong way. Isaguri is a good example of this. He's a powerful samurai, and he has every you know, right to challenge other people. But the reason why he's doing it is to, you know, again, crush other swordsmanship in Japan. And so he can make and remake the way that he thinks swordsmanship should be. You know, he thinks it should only be passed down to the strongest possible and not be taught to everyone like it was during that time in Japan, in the Meiji era. However, Kenshin disagrees. He thinks anyone should be able to pick up swords. And we see this in the belief of having other students and pupils. You know, Kenshin is trying to give lessons to Yutaro and Yuhiko, but, you know, the, meanwhile we have on the other side of Siguri, who has his own apprentice, you know, Yutaro, but he doesn't want that. He doesn't want to be traditional and teach him. He views Yutaro as a, a tool in order to be better for his own gain. You know, he considered Yutaro as part of a master scheme, a plan. And uh, even though, you know, it might seem that Isaguri had the right idea of training and becoming stronger for the purpose of perfecting swordsmanship, he had fallen off the true path of the way of the sword which we see Kenshin so far has stuck to his principles of not killing people. And we'll see if that eventually leads to some conflict later on. Um, but so far, I've seen that you know he has been the utmost unbelievable warrior and an example to the others. Uh, we see that of how Sanosuke observes him. We see that in how Kamaya observes him. Uh, we see that in how, you know, especially the younger students, Yuhiko and Yutaro, look up to him. Um, I don't know if Yutaro will return in the series or not, as this is my first time reading this, but I have a feeling that Yuhiko and Sanosuke are going to change and only get better as soldiers in their own version of the dojo. Uh, and they're only going to be become better warriors that help Kenshin, and he helps them, and they help him. All right, so anyway, that's all for today's episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Again, if you liked it, please be sure to share it. And uh, I'll catch you next time.